That's uh, new Justin Bieber. I like the sound of the song. I don't like the words. Yummy, 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 yummy. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you're looking at somebody hot. It feels like you're looking at something you're going to eat. No? Mm. Like if a guy came up to you and said, Maura, you're so yummy looking to me. Isn't that, doesn't it have kind of a creeper creepy, feel to it? Creepy vibe. Yeah. You're so tasty. Mm. I'd like to get some of that yummy, yummy, yum. But uh, I like the sound of this song. Yeah, it's got a good groove to it. Yeah, you got that yummy, yum, 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 I just, you know, first Uh, podcast. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck. Shit! <laughs> <fuck>. <laughs> Just gratuitous swearing. Yeah, we're really different this year. No, no. Nah, same uh, old. Same old show. You know, it's funny because uh, when you get used to watching television on streaming services, and then yeah. you go back to a network show, totally. you're just like, "Holy cow! Is like, everything so much more censored?" Fuck this! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've been watching a lot of television over the last couple of weeks, especially because we were off for two weeks. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, both seasons of Succession. Oh yeah, which just won. Uh, I think or it other. won at the Golden Globes. I know the for lead actor in a TV series. Dude, one. So, is that show worthy of all the nominations and the the awards? It's a really compelling show. Yeah, I think uh, it takes a little while to uh, get used to the fact that you hate a lot of the characters. Mm-hmm. Like they're not likable people, most of them. Yeah, they all have these deficiencies, and then eventually you just start to cheer for some of the people who are a little less uh, annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's about all these people that are in the super rich family, like a mix between say the Trump family and Rupert Murdoch and his family, because it's essentially about a guy who is in charge of a, a media empire. That also has within it a television network very similar to Fox News in the U.S. So there's a lot of people that hate on this family because of the spin that their network puts on all the political stories. And Anyway, the guy who runs the whole thing is thinking of stepping down and it's going to go to his son. But then it's this, all kinds of stuff happens. It's, it doesn't sound great when I explain it, but no. it's worth watching. <laughs> Look, it's, it's been nominated all over the place, so mm-hmm. it's worth watching. Yeah. The Crown, yes. uh, finish that. That's good. I watched the documentary on Luca Magnana, Don't Fuck With Cats. I do not want to watch that. I can't watch that. It's a little disturbing, but it's really interesting, too, the angle they take on it, because uh, I didn't realize, like, I did know that Luca Magnata, who, of course, is the Canadian guy who... Uh, first of all, started with killing cats and posting videos of that online mm-hmm. and then eventually uh, evolved into killing a human and then posting that video online. Yeah. And so really the movie is about the people, a group of people in the United States that saw the cat videos mm-hmm. and were outraged. 
and they all banded together to try and figure out who this guy was and where he was making the videos in the hopes that they could catch him because yeah. in their minds, you don't fuck with cats. That's where the name of the uh, documentary comes from. And so it just tra- it fa- it tells their story of how they were tracking Luca Magnotta and trying to figure out where he was based on things that he had in the room that he was shooting the video in. Like, what were, where is that door handle? What does that look like? Are the sockets on the wall and all kinds of stuff? Oh, I never would have thought of or that. Or the the, the spread. Um, I think there was like a bed spread or you know a cover over the bed, and they're like, where would you buy that? Where is it available? And they wow. were anyway. I don't want to give away too much. But, but it just he talk- was in Canada. He was in Canada. So they, were they able to pinpoint Canada? Eventually they were. Hmm. But at first, you know, and then what happened was Luca Magnata infiltrated the group, they figure, no. and then started paying attention to the stuff they were saying. So he started in his next video putting other things in there that made it look like he was in other places in the world. Shit, he was smart, eh? He, in certain ways, he was very smart. In other ways, he was very dumb mm-hmm. and certainly psychologically messed up. And then, you know, when they figured out who he was, when the police figured out who he was, then began the manhunt when he took off to Europe and they cover that. So it's it's pretty interesting, but it's a little dark and they do show clips of the videos mm-hmm. of the cats and the human, the guy. The no, I can't watch that. I can't watch that. You don't actually see the moment of death, but Still. you see enough that it's kind of, it's upsetting. And then you see him playing with the dead cats after they show video of that. Oh God. I know. No. He was a horrible person. But anyway, it's a really compelling documentary. It's a three-part series, so you can plow through it in one sitting. You know what I watched over the holidays? I just, like, found myself watching Aviator. Oh, yeah. That movie with Leo DiCaprio. Yeah, of course. Um, He was uh, Howard Hughes. mm -hmm. He was, like, the great uh, aviation dude. And Hollywood producer, I guess. Yeah, it revolutionized commercial air travel, I think. Yes. But I I remember, because Gwen Stefani played, like, a a small role in that movie. She was, like... Gwen Stefani, like... Yeah. From No Doubt. Okay. She had like a little cameo in there as one of like the, the Hollywood starlets. I think she was a Jean Harlow or one of those like okay. old classic Hollywood A-listers. And he was dating her or yeah, hanging he out? Yeah, took her to an event. Honestly, she's probably in the movie for no more than five minutes, but she was interviewed a lot after that about what it was like being in a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. And she said, I wasn't in a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. I was always sitting next to Howard Hughes. He never dropped character. He's one of those type of actors who just stays in character. Like Daniel Day-Lewis? Like Daniel Day-Lewis. I hear he does the same thing. When he was Lincoln, he was like Lincoln for three months or however long it took to film that movie. Imagine being a family member of his and being like, oh, God, yeah. enough with the accent. Yeah. Um, but it made me think, you know, I've been in some, I've been in three pretty big productions that had like A-listers in them. Mm-hmm. And not one of them were one of those actors that stayed in character the whole time. Like Emma Watson and Gary Oldman and Michael Keaton. All so of Michael them. Keaton wasn't like, I'm the, what was he, the head of the company? Yeah, that created he was the, RoboCop. That the evil company guy who created RoboCop. And yeah. wasn't going to shut it down under any circumstance. No, didn't care that his family wanted him back. I don't know if that's that kind of role though, where you stay in character. No <laughs> yeah. offense to like Michael Keaton, you know. But I wonder if that is the difference between winning an award or at least getting nominated and not getting nominated. No way. Now, that's more rare than it is common. When you did you did scenes with Michael Keaton, I did. And would you would he come into the room and be focused and be in the zone? No. See, 
And was Robocop nominated for yeah. any awards? But he probably no. knew, based on the material he was doing, that it, was, <laughs> it wasn't required of him to be in character. If he was playing a person yeah. and had to put on an accent or a certain style of speaking, it mm-hmm. may be way more important. So I'm sure when, um, you know, because Leonardo DiCaprio, same with uh, Blood Diamond, you know, he, he put on a voice. Yeah. When he was Howard Hughes, he was like, hey, he had this certain way of talking. Mm-hmm. And you're, the fear is probably that you're going to lose it. Midway yes. through the day, if you take too long a break from it, how do I get it back? Yeah, so I'm sure. I'm sure when Leonardo DiCaprio was like banging some girl at night on a weekend when they weren't filming, he wasn't pretending to be Howard Hughes. I don't know. Howard Hughes in the movie bangs a lot of girls. <laughs> yeah, but I'm Remember? sure. I'm sure he turned it off at some point. Well, yeah, it reminded me. Uh, I was in this scene with Michael Keaton. And it was a I think we already established (laughs) (laughs) Tell us again about the scene. What was the movie? Hey. Okay. Listen, when you're in a scene with Michael Keaton, you can talk about it till the end of time, okay? I've never Uh, been in a scene with Michael Keaton. Right. So here I am in this scene, and it's like a scene where he has to do a monologue. So it's probably like a pretty heavy scene for him. uh, He actually asked to do it over again and again and again and stopped and started and stuff like that. So I think it was a bit of a, a heavy scene for him to do. But before we started shooting, we were in those like cast chairs and he was talking to me about uh, quitting dip, you know, like chewing tobacco. Yeah. Because I don't know how it came up, but we started talking about my husband, Matt, using chewing tobacco. He's like, oh, I used to do that too. Um, and the moment I quit, I I found myself, this is Michael Keaton. He said he was, this is after Batman too. He said he was going through the trash trying to find an old tin of dip in his place that still had some in it. And he found a tin and there was like a piece of lettuce on it and he took it off and opened the tin and then he stopped and he was like, what am I doing? Yeah. I am so addicted what an addict, right? to this that I'm picking through my garbage. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, we're ready to shoot now. He was not sitting there trying to be in character. He was talking about the most Michael Keaton moment that he could have ever had. And but the thing is, you mentioned that it took him a bunch of takes to get it down. Yeah, and it's because he was flirting with you <laughs> on the cast chairs, telling stories about dip and not thinking about what he had to do. I don't think he was flirting with well, me. Well, he was definitely not focused. You know what he said? He said, "Do you ever give him a little kiss when he has dip in his mouth?" I said, "Yeah, all That's the time." That's a weird thing to say. Is it? Uh, well, the way you just said it was, do you ever give him a kiss? Uh, well, he, gra- he grabbed my arm. He said, tell me something, tell me something. He pulled me close. He's like, do you ever give him a little kiss when he's got dip in his mouth? And I'm like, yeah, all the time. And he's like, oh, I love that. Look at Bundes and I looking at each other. He was flirting with you. No, a little wasn't. bit. He probably was also reminiscing on moments he's had in his past. Right. Yeah. When he, he was, was think- He was like, I wish I was dating someone who didn't care if I dip in my mouth because he probably had a. Okay, that's a flirt. You think? Yeah. Yeah. He was trying to use that as a... <laughs> I don't Like, he was trying so. to paint a picture of your husband being... Because he wasn't your husband at the time, was he? No, he was my your boyfriend. boyfriend. Yeah, so he was probably thinking, oh, well, boyfriend's probably really... You know, you ever kiss him with dips? Awful, eh? Yeah, should be with me. I don't have any dip in my mouth. Um, wow. Yeah. Pretty random, eh, to think about, like, a Hollywood star of that level... Going through the trash, trying to find that tin of dip. Like, Did you ever do anything, uh, Bundus, when you were addicted to um, Oxy? Would you ever like go through the garbage or, go, or you know tear your place apart because you knew you had a, mm. some pills in an envelope or wherever you used to keep them? 
Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just be like, where are they? And you just tear through everything? Looking for them, yeah. I would. I, I remember like going through my car too, um, like ripping the seat out because I, I knew I dropped some earlier and I couldn't find it and it, I, I was out. So I remember I had to take my seat out to try and find one because no. it was- What do you mean was, out? Because it was hiding in the, like it, the pill got stuck in the track of the of the seat. Oh, so you literally unbolted the seat and just lifted to get it the, out? Yeah, just to get Shut it out. Shut up. But did you yeah. get them? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. That'd was be it worse worth it? if you couldn't find well, it? Well, yeah, of course it was worth it because I, my body was like shaking and, and cold sweats, hot flashes. Like I needed yeah. something and I couldn't get a hold of anybody. You so. know who would love that story? Michael, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I did the same thing when I lost my AirPods for a while. I was like tearing everything apart. Like, where are they? My AirPods. Three weeks later, I'm like, I got to buy a new set. I bought a new set. And then I found my original AirPods in my pants pocket really? that were hanging in my closet. And Can I, I actually, well, I gave, I ended up repurposing the new ones I bought uh, for a Christmas present for my kids. So. Smart, smart. I mean, I'd, I'd used them for like half a day. And then I found the old ones. Uh,. <laughs> You know what other show I watched, uh, and I, I've never done this before. I watched an entire season of a TV show in one day, and it was the morning show with mm. Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, uh, they Steve uh, Carell. It was, uh, and I don't even know if it was so good that it was warranted that I watched it in one day. It's yeah. just I didn't have anything going on that day, oh, and I'm so I was jealous of your life. Just in the, I started in bed on my iPad, yeah, and I didn't get up until one p.m. And then I went up, I uh, had something to eat, watched some more episodes in the afternoon. Then I went out for dinner with my daughter, and then I came back, watched some more episodes. Sounds like a nice day. It was pretty good, actually. Yeah, that show, and it was—it's an interesting show. It—it mm-hmm. t- it totally reminded me of how everything is spoon-fed to people on TV. <laughs> well, in that kind of that's TV our environment, anyway. Well, no, yeah. I mean, from all the experience I've had working in buildings that have had TV channels and getting to know people who are on the TV, everything is done for them. Mm-hmm. Not especially in a show environment like a TV morning show, right? Because it's it's basically emulating the Today Show, okay. And Matt Lauer's incident that he had where he was having uh, you know inappropriate relationships with employees, and yeah. that's Steve Carell's character, okay. But then you see like just their whole morning is all they have to do is read off the teleprompter, like, off the teleprompter, <gasps> and then they got producers in their ear telling them stuff. What are they telling them? Like ask this question next, or, or lay off, or, or go? I, I you, really? you know I don't know what they're saying in real life. I on the show, they're like, what are you doing? Why are you asking these questions? Or, you know, the producers are trying to steer the talent to go one way or the other. But it just reminded me of, you know, the last uh, building I worked in and being a part of some things that involve TV and how just the people on TV have everything done for them. (laughs) Their makeup, their wardrobes, the questions they ask are all prepared for them in advance. Then they're on teleprompters. I had a friend who was a guest host on... um, on one of those panel shows with all women, you know, mm-hmm. like The View. Oh, okay. So she was a guest host. All the stuff they say in the segment that's supposed to be kind of ad libby, yeah. you know, hot topics, kind of whatever. Yes. Um, they established what they were going to say before the show even went on. Really? So they say, oh, these are the topics we want to cover. Let's just say uh, we want to cover the morning show with Steve Carell. Okay. What do you think of that? Oh, I'd like to talk about how great Jennifer Aniston's hair is. Okay, great. And they'd write these notes down mm-hmm. for what the people wanted to say. And then they produce them into uh, either cue cards or teleprompter stuff. Really? So you get on there and uh, and then they're doing it and they're making it seem like it's ad lib, but really they're just taking turns saying what they want to say. Wow. That they've already established in advance. 
And they, in some shows, it's the producers coming up with everything. With everything. Yeah. I remember being on um, CP24, and I was on the auto show. Don't ask. Why were you on the auto show? Somebody heard me talking on the radio about wanting to buy a convertible beater. And they're like, oh, let's get this girl on the auto show. Terror a new one? <laughs> to tell her what to a terrible her. idea it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, we had kind of arranged talking points before, but what I didn't realize, I, I had said, well, I want to bring up these things. They had taken all my notes and put them in the teleprompter and just expected me to read them off the teleprompter. And I was kind of, that was not my plan. I hadn't read it, written it in a style that I would read. I just yeah. wanted to ad-lib it like we do on the radio. And man, did I ever throw that whole show off by not sticking to what I had in the teleprompter. The best is when you're watching a hardcore news people that mm-hmm. are news anchors, yes. when they do their ad-libs. You know when they have that little <laughs> joking with the weather person moment or whatever? It, yes. It's the best because it's usually not on the teleprompter and then you see how awkward it gets Yeah, yeah. or how forced the conversation is. Oh. And, and to be fair to them, it's not really what they're there to do. You know, what we do is uh, we just ad-lib the whole morning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sure, it'd be great to have someone writing all these things for you to say, mm-hmm. but when you see television news people try and jase with each other it always makes me laugh yeah because very few people can do that well in that industry yeah you're right unless they have a background in you know before getting into that i think the hard thing is going from reading to ad living like when you're just reading something off the teleprompter if you do that the whole show then that's fine but to, to be expected to go back and forth like yeah. To jump into starting to read again. I don't know how they do that. I can always tell um, when we interview someone who has like a strong TV background. Yes. And then they come on the radio, how awkward it is for them <laughs> to not have everything in front of them. And it's not everybody. And no. I wouldn't point the finger at anyone in particular mm-hmm. or blame them because it's just out of their element. It's but, the nature of their job. Yeah. But, but you realize when things are done for you, you become pretty accustomed to having everything done for you. <sighs> wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Uh, something I wanted to bring up on the podcast was a continuation of a conversation we had on the air about people who are essentially professional prize winners. Yeah. I was shocked. Like, we know there's always people who, who win contests often. Like, there's only, uh, what, 10% of your audience that'll call into a radio station to win a contest. Mm-hmm. But what's amazing is when you start talking to these people that do it all the time, just how much work they put into it. And I actually have a couple of the calls that we uh, had on the air, and I wanted to play them back for people who didn't hear it, because chances are, if you're listening to this, you didn't hear the one break we did on it. Mm -hmm. But first, we talked to a guy named Jared, and it just became like the way he was calling us regularly, it became pretty obvious that he was like a guy who's only interested in winning contests. Yeah, but I thought he was only interested in winning contests with us. Yeah, and then... (laughs) So we had him on the air and we asked him, we said, hey, like, how many radio stations do you track in order to try and win at a contest? And this is what he said. At least 13. 13! Okay. Yeah. So um, what's the biggest thing that you've won? A trip to the Grammy Awards. Oh, that's pretty cool. That was in 2012. But you, you, you guys gave me a pretty good big prize a few few months ago, the mattress. That was a pretty big prize. Yeah, we yeah. did give you a mattress. Compared to the Grammys, though. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get in a little a better idea here. So do, you, so do you have a schedule of what radio stations are doing what contests at what time? Yeah, I go every week. 
every week. I write down what time everything is at, and I try to dial in every time. Wow. Yeah, and you're calling 13 different radio stations. Maybe more than that. I don't know. Do you call other cities? (laughs) Yep. So what's the furthest place you call to try and win? London. London, Ontario? Okay. I won Peppa Pig tickets for my daughter a few months ago. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, wow. You're almost like a professional prize winner. Yeah. I am. I am. (laughs) What's the most amount of cash you've won from a radio station? $1,400. Whoa. That's pretty good. Yeah. 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 Is this your full-time job? No. (laughs) It could be, though. It could be. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck coming up with our six-pack contest, okay? All right, thank you. So that was Jared who was trying to win a contest with us and every other radio station that he can, like, get in touch with. And I'll tell you something. The reason we do contests on the radio is to hope to, like, win you over so that we'll become (laughs) the radio station of choice. You'll be like, oh, my God, Energy, that's the station that gave me that amazing mattress set. It's like a bonus. I'm never changing the dial ever again. Uh, Then we uh, spoke with Jeff who uh, actually does the exact same thing. And this is how many radio stations Jeff is tracking. I would say I'm up to about 10 to 12 as well. I got the list, you know, each station. The computer helps out quite a bit with the uh, list of the prizes. So do you know Jared? Uh, I beat Jared uh, just before Christmas on a different station that we were uh, had to go head-to-head. Oh, really? and- <laughs> what was the prize in that contest? Uh, it was it was for a ticket to put in for a draw to uh, I think it was Jamaica or something. Tell us about some of the prizes you've won over the years doing uh, well, this. Well, my daughter's met Shawn Mendes twice, Fifth twice? Harmony, um, Five Sauce concert. Uh, Any cash? Uh, quite a couple couple bucks in cash, uh, a thousand on one of the other stations. Uh, How much time in a given week do you spend trying to win contests? Uh, it, it's. It, it's kind of not really much time because everything's labeled like 9 a.m. this station, uh, 10 a.m., 11 a.m. So, I mean, as I'm at work and my radio's going, I'm flipping my station over to whatever station it would be at 11 a.m. Okay, so it's not like in the morning you're dedicating two hours to just <laughs> dialing the phone over and over again? No, no, because it's spread out pretty easily. And then sometimes you run into the four stations that are going at 7 a.m., right? So oh, you have I must hate that, eh? Oh, I, I do. That's the worst. I mean, 7 a.m. seems to be the key time, right? What for, time would be good for you? Yeah, what should we do our contest in order to cater to you, Jeff? <laughs> I, I'm thinking in between the half hours, you know, the quarter after the 20 after. Oh, okay. Like that, right? And is there a secret to winning? No, I, I had one a few years back. It was, uh, they were doing the magic jack on the computer. And the thing had automatic dial. It was the weirdest thing. Like, I, I would get into every single time, every station that I wanted to get into with the Magic Jack. And then the computer started to slow down a bit, and then my Magic Jack didn't become magic anymore. But it literally was a Magic Jack. Wow, so you had something that would just auto-call the radio station. It, it, was, it was the weirdest thing. Like, you didn't even have to hang up. Like, it was weird. It would go oh, busy. Wow. It would redial, and it would, it would redial right away. How many phone so lines I, do you use now when you try and win? Uh, usually two if I'm at home, the home line and the cell phone. Mm-hmm. And then I got the wife going on it, too, if she's around. What line so, works the best? Is it more of a, a landline or a cell phone? No, it's the cell phone. I've noticed that over the last year. Cell phone works better, huh? According to Jeff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, countless trips to I've been on. I've been to, I went to Dodger Stadium to see uh, ACDC <laughs> with your sister station, Y108. Okay. Uh, nice. 
I was St. Martin before you guys switched over to energy. Wow. I've been, uh, yeah. Mexico for our honeymoon. Jesus. To get married. I told you guys about Vegas. You're almost worse than Jared. I think I'm a little tad better than Jared. <laughs> All right. So Vegas, uh, New York, St. Martin, Mexico. Boston, Boston California three times. You, oh, my God. Do you play the lottery? Yeah. Did you buy a ticket? I, you know what? My, my grandma won the lottery when I was four years old. So to me, I, I felt the fact that you, one family gets the lottery. You don't get multiple lottery wins in the families. Yeah, so, yeah the odds no, are stacked against it from happening again, you think. Right. So I, I stay, I, once, like I played the 70 million last night, obviously, right? The yeah. 70 million. But no, I don't, I don't go religiously on the lotteries, no. All right, Jeff, thanks for giving us some insight into your uh, contest winning world. <laughs> no problem, guys. There he is. Uh, it was uh, Jeff. Telling us about you all the contests. If my grandma, when I was young, won the lottery, I'd be playing every single contest for the rest of my life, too. You know what these guys are? They're, they're the radio equivalent of the person you get behind in line at a convenience store, and they have the folder with all the lotto tickets. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, you just want a quick pick, because there's a 70 million jackpot, yeah, and yeah. they open up their folder, and they literally have, like, 15 to 20 scratch-and-win cards in there. Mm-hmm. Then they have all the other things they do, and then they like to handpick the numbers, so they got to put each one in. Mm-hmm. And uh, But you know what? Like... I guess if you play more, you have a better chance to win. And it's certainly the case with radio contests. Persistence pays off. Yeah. How many trips did Jeff win? He said countless trips. Countless. He said California three times. Mexico, St. Martin. Boston. Uh, Boston. Like, give me a break. Vegas. Yeah. Imagine all those trips were free. And from different radio stations. No allegiance to any one of them. <laughs> we don't want our promo department hearing this because they'll be like, <gasps> well, that's, I mean, it just goes to show that like you, you got to build your show around a show and you can't rely on contests Contests. to like build your audience. Yeah, it's a nice perk. It's a perk. And a bonus. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could give away a house and it could mo- like not even reflect on the ratings at all. Right. You know what I mean? You never know. Or you could give away like... $10 gift certificates and maybe have the same effect as giving away thousands of dollars. I remember a guy once said on the radio, just because he wanted to see how much people disliked free stuff, mm-hmm. he said, um, I'm going to be on the corner of Young and Sinclair handing out plastic bags, free plastic bags, and people showed up. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. It worked. Well, they had the station logo on the side, so. Yeah. <laughs> Three plastic bags. Uh, Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, you know, what are you going to do? Try to win a contest. Why not? Yeah. I've never won anything in my entire life. Really? No. I'm not one to enter a lot of contests, but the few times I have. Well, that's why. You can't win unless you enter. That's right. I mean, I keep thinking that uh, I keep buying tickets for the Princess Home Margaret, Princess Margaret Home Lottery. Me too. And uh, yeah, the $6 million grand prize or whatever it is would be great. But Mm -hmm. I'd also take like a Ferrari or some of those like secondary prizes. Mm -hmm. And don't they say it's like one in 15 wins or what? I don't know what the exact number is. Never. I haven't even won a free ticket for the next year or the next giveaway. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I'll keep buying them because you can't win unless you buy them. Yeah. Same reason I buy a Lotto Max ticket every couple of weeks. Because it's like I have a dream one day of being able to go out and buying like a, you know, Five million dollar sailboat that I can sail around the world on, and yes, uh, take us with you. The only way that's going to happen, it's not going to be from like working here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you never. It, hey, it, 
You never you know. You never know. Don't I, say that. That's right, because then it happens, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, if I won the lottery, it could happen. So it keeps that dream alive. So it's like entertainment for me. It allows me to have that dream because I couldn't sit here going, oh, I hope one day $20 million lands in my bank account. I can do this. Yeah. Well, I, I think focus on the radio show. It becomes so big. <laughs> you guys laugh. I'm serious. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're right. I wonder, though, I wonder if those days are done. Like, I wonder if there'll be another Howard Stern or Rush Limbaugh or, you know, whoever all the people are who are making like, you know, 50 million or 20 million a year doing yeah. this kind of job, if that'll exist again. Like, I know, I can tell you for sure, salaries in Toronto will never be what they were. They've peaked. Yes. And they peaked like a few years ago. And now they're on a downslide. Now they're on the decline. Yeah. So. Yeah. Unfortunately. Right when we become morning oh, shows. Oh, my God. Bad how, timing, right? How is that fair? But, you know. Maybe it's because we've just willed it that way, right, Maura? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it for us. Just a quick little check-in mm-hmm. for the new year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And also, um, if you can leave a review, if you've never done it, we'd love that too. Yeah. Helps uh, our podcast show up in places where people don't necessarily know it. And they'll be like, oh, look at this one. Oh, the reviews are good. Check it out. Talk to you later. Bye. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms. <laughs>